Sex and happiness both enrich our lives, yet it's surprising how few people can honestly say that they enjoy regular and fulfilling sex or describe themselves and their lives as happy. Host Lori Handlers helps you to experience real intimacy and happiness. You'll laugh a little, learn a little, and we hope put a smile on your face and a smile in your life. Now here's Lori. Hi, everybody. This is Lori Handlers, and you're listening to Sex and Happiness, a show about your sex and your happiness. And today I have an amazing guest. Her name is Eve Yuridisi, and we are going to talk about sex and politics. So let me tell you a little bit about her. She's in Florida right now, actually, but she was born on the island of Lesbos in Greece, and she's a writer, an artist, an activist, and an archivist, a multi-model scholar, mentor, and advocate. She's the author of quite a few books, Satyricon, uh, The Second Coming, and uh, and the creator of Speak Sex with Eve podcast. This is a very talented woman. She's like, um, she's an artist and a scholar. I, I'm going to say that about you. I, 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 when I think of scholars, I think of Greece. So she's very well grounded in and versed in sex and politics and how patriarchy and Me Too and everything influences everything else. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And hopefully you, my listeners are, and viewers, are going to get an education. So Eve, welcome to Sex and Happiness podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure to have you and to just get to know you, you know, to to get to know you. So likewise. So let's start, let's roll them back just a little bit. I love to always ask my guests how they became who they are. So like what influenced you? Like I happen to know you've told me that you grew up in a little island in Greece and it was small and everyone knew each other and the town, et cetera, et cetera. So how did you become first become interested in like being a scholar and writing and 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 researching how sex and gender affects politics etc how did you become you yeah <laughs> well um there are many little beginnings the mm. first one was that i my my mother was married, you know, my, my mother, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, they were all breeders, you know, their parents kind of like gave them to someone, to a man who came and asked for their hand in marriage. And then they stayed married to this man for the rest of their lives. So as far back as I know, which is hundreds of generations, really, because we're very uh, stationary as a, as a lineage, um, the, the women, as soon as they came of made in age, depended on a man and belonged to a man and went from one man to another. So my mom was really unhappy with her marriage. Um, she missed her mom. She just like suddenly was with a man she didn't know having sex, which was the, what we would now call like rape, you know, marital rape. She didn't know anything about sex. She right. was a virgin. She'd never kissed. And she, she conceived really fast. So from being like a pretty girl, you know, the daughter of the, of the village priest, the town priest, you know, kind of like spoiled by her mom. She was on her own, like washing the clothes of this man, trying to make meals of this man with the child, losing her mind. So 
she, you know, my first memories were of my mother crying a lot and kind of hating, hating on me a little bit. You know, she yeah. called me like demon child because I'd ruined her life. <laughs> so you're um, child number one. I'm child number one. Yeah. Got it. So um, at the age of about two, two and a half, I broke my femur because uh, my mom had left me with a neighbor and I fell well and the neighbor wasn't interested. Um, and... Uh, I spent about six months in bed. And during that time, I taught myself to read and write. Um, you know, people would bring me uh, out of pity, I guess, little children's books. And my parents, you know, one or the other would read me the book when they had time. And then I would hear it, memorize it, and then learn from what I'd memorized and the turning of the pages, right? So I experienced first this change in my fortunes when my father realized that I was reading and started giving me more books, he started calling the man like from the coffee shop into the house and have me in my bed, you know, with, uh, in my body, in a, my body in a cast, like per, perform to them in a sense, you know, read. Like, you know, he would be like, read. And, and the man wow. would be like, wow, you know, this little child reads. And, and I learned you know, to such a formative age that language and doing what men liked, you know, got me out of my place of like having to follow my mom around and be hit in the head and not speak, you know, she'd be like, be quiet, be quiet, you know. And I, if I asked why, she would be like, there is no why. It's all written in the book of fate. There's a why. We'll never ask why. <laughs> you know, why would just get you asking why? <laughs> so... Uh, you know, but books would give me answers. So I started to read. So in fact, I kind of progressed fa fast enough that my parents moved to Athens and my dad got a job at the ministry. So I would go to like whatever the best uh, public school there. And um, soon I memorized like Homer, I remember. So my dad would take me in front of the minister to like, you know, recite Homer. <laughs> So it's, it's an interesting thing because at the same time that I was learning that I could escape like the fate, you know, of my sexual gender in this way. And my dad was like, you know, don't, don't tell her like, teach her, don't teach her how to cook. Don't have her do laundry. She has, a, you know, she's a writer. She's a, re you know, like she has a mind. Let her be with her books. So I got a break. But but at the same time, I discovered something else. I was a lesbian. <laughs> I didn't know I was a lesbian until uh, I came to to the school. And then at some point, I think it was third grade, I realized that the word lesbian was a dirty word that I should never say I was a lesbian. Now, I was a lesbian by birth. So I was a lesbian with a capital L. Mm. But I could not say that because I would be you know, Ostracized. like stigmatized and even my yes. girlfriends would not want to hang out with me. And so I had to make up an alternate like narrative for myself because of the shame associated with like my toponym because my to toponym was also like a sexual preference. So that kind of like mindfuck was very, very formative again. Sure. And I think those, those Wait, two... Connection. I wanted to say something to you because you and I had some, well, the last time we were speaking, you and I had some things in common, you know, about like feeling like marriage was a prison or whatever. But you, we also, 
this thing about being a smart girl child, number one, and a smart girl child, and they and you, the father would take you places and say, perform, read, do this. I had the same experience. So it's, it's crazy how you and I are alike in a certain ways, but I had the same experience of my father saying, you know, my mother saying, don't teach her, and my father, don't teach her to cook, don't teach her to do laundry, don't teach her to clean. She's going to be very smart, and she will have other people do those things for her. <laughs> so I just said, when you said that, I was like, that happened in my background, too. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. So then you yeah. went on to, so yeah. then you, you realized that so you... Basically, everything with... went on this way until I hit puberty and I started like looking for boys and then my dad went, or, or girls, boys, whatever. And also, um, I grew up in a junta, the junta fell, so I became politicized. It was a time when everyone in Greece was, you know, discovering democracy, socialism. Uh, and my dad... Uh, became very uh, threatened, you know, uh, my, my, everyone else in the family had always told him, you know, you're creating like a monster with giving her so much freedom. And, it, you know, he would be like, no, she's a genius. And now like, he was like, oh my God, maybe you're right. Like, why is she sounding like that? Because I, you know, I was reading like surrealists. And so um, at that late stage, when I was like 13, he decides to discipline me, <laughs> you know, and make me like, fit in um, and, you know, beat me up and whatever, trying to get me to, like, stay home and be a good girl and go to church and, you know, not wear pants, like crazy stuff. So I ran away from home when I was, uh, before I turned 15, and I um, went to L.A. And my love, I must say, <laughs> like a week into being there, and I met an amazing woman. She was a librarian. She took me in, like, the first day. She said, we'll figure out, you know, things. Like, I went to the library. and, and Of and course she, you did. I went to the library for the books because I was like, I, I could figure things out if I... And, and, you know, I went home with a librarian lady who was divorced. And so she's like my, my other, you know, my main female role model because uh, she was the first woman I met who had divorced her husband. She had a dog living with her, sleeping in her bed, you know, <laughs> which is unheard of in my world, you know, and she, you know, like dumped the laundry, take it to the cleaners, just, you know, uh, she smoked, she had some scotch. I had never seen a, a woman like this before. Um, she loved Greece. She was Greek dancing, you know, with other friends who, who were not Greek. Um, and uh, she, you know, she enrolled me in the local school. And uh, within about a week, I'm going to say, the kids there took me to see Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You can imagine, like, the culture, like, euphoria. I was like, uh, you know, I landed in heaven. <laughs> like, these people, you know, can be any gender and can do everything. And the imagination is endless, you know, and the school, like, you know, that were, you know, like, uh, indigenous people and Hispanic people and, you know, all kinds of people of color and Jewish people and the yogis and the, you know, it's California. It was just, 
such yeah. an amazing diverse society and i had come from such an extremely homogenized you know proper society where everything was just so you know because we, we've been around a long time um so it, it was it, it yeah it, it was it was very again i was still being formed i was still a child uh, i i didn't you know know it at the time and um and i became you know i i i I became more and more kind of like, you know, this person, a feminist. Um, and then I went to the East Village the next year. I went to NYU at 16 and studied, uh, you know, writing, creative writing there. And then after that, I went to uh, Boulder to work with Allen Ginsberg and Bill Burroughs um, and got also a, a master's there at CU. And then from there, I went to Brown. Um, took a break from, so got another couple of degrees at Brown and then took a break from academia, went to live in India for three years. Oh, nice. Learned a lot. <laughs> you know, came back, taught at Brown, and then, uh, and in the meantime, I wrote those books. And then um, a couple of books, The F32 and The Second Coming, which was published by Virago Press, which is a feminist press in England that, you know, is, they're amazing women. And then I got a, a job, uh, I left, I get teaching. I left teaching because I got a job at Spin Magazine as an investigative writer. And I wrote the Sex Files series. Um, and that was, you know, and I discovered how much I liked, you know, I didn't want to be like, I mean, I was young still, and I didn't want to like be gatekept in academia, you know, where like, what I, what I was saying was only being heard by like the, you know, uh, elite, let's say, you know, young people who would yes. get into my class. Yes. So this gave me a much bigger platform and I liked that. Um, then I published a book with Scribner and then like really right before the book tour, I accidentally, um, you know, conceived. Uh, like the day, I think it was the day after my period <laughs> or two. So I had upper unprotected sex, but it was literally like a day or two after I didn't think I could have eggs. I, I did. Yeah, um, that's and you know, I, I I'm I'm pro-choice. The the father to be, of course, you know, was like get an abortion. I can't be a dad. You know, I'm like, a, I'm not. You know, I don't want to. It's not my life's plan. Um, and I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't. So um, I, I really loved this child. <laughs> and um, it, that changed my life a lot in the sense of little by little, um, I accommodated my, my practices to, 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 to motherhood. Yeah. Um, and uh, first, you know, I mean, I, I gave birth and I really like I went with my purse. I didn't have an outfit. I didn't have like a a car seat like I didn't know anything about children none of my friends had children I just thought I'm gonna give birth you know I have a dog everybody says I'm a great dog mom I'll you know I'll have this you'll have a child girl too <laughs> <laughs> and, and in the beginning like I would just take her everywhere to meetings and you know research and she just hang but then when they when she needed to like speak and socialize and and go to school it became it you know, a choice. So that's when I got into art. I, uh, like on a whim, applied to a, to a cooperative, which is in the main street in Miami Beach on Lincoln Road. Um, and Art Basel had just come to Lincoln Road. 
and 9-11 had just happened. And I thought, I don't want to raise my kid in New York. I can be on the beach. Um, you know, Basel makes this place a little more like cosmopolitan. Yeah. And I got in. They liked my work. And I, and I, I, did, I, I, I focused on stitching. So for me, motherhood was like a way to marry my, you know, to marry my halves, right? Your culture. You know, to, to try to connect that split that every woman has, because we speak the language of the patriarchy and we're trained with our mind as if we're men, but we have this female, you know, embodiment, um, which gets devalued. So um, as I as I nourished her and nursed her and, you know, I, I did a lot of artwork which involved embroidery. Um, and I literally like stitch by stitch, you know, it was very meditative, it was kind of like relearning and rethinking and reconfiguring everything that I had thought about, you know, all these years of like studying and writing feminism and about the patriarchy and women's lives and women's place. Um, and it was it was basically you know it was a practice. I mean, I, I lived off selling the art because that that studio space um, was uh, was a great you know had a lot of food traffic, and uh, yeah. it, sub it was subsidized. It was in the most like busy uh, street in Miami Beach, um, but in the process of, of of completing each series, I would also like learn a lesson which I would put into writing. Um, so, so, I, so I'm going to interrupt you here for a second because I want to get to, I want to, uh, this is a fascinating, really fascinating. And I just want to get to, you know, like, it feels to me like you, I, I, just see if I got this right. It feels to me like you, you disavowed being a female because you had privilege in the beginning and then you ran away you did whatever you wanted, which most girls don't get to do. Not girls from Greece anyway. They don't get to do that. No, you I got the tattoo. My first tattoo, I was 18 in San Francisco. It's yeah. Amazing, like, you know, real lesbian, <laughs> butch lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, you got to do what you wanted to do. You created life on your own terms. And then you came back to some root yeah, uh, I want to say um, pre, like prefrontal cortex, like somewhere else in yeah. your in your body, you came upon like the art and the the expression of femininity, of femaleness, yeah. something through this history, yeah. and you sold that. That became your commercialism. Like that's like amazing. Yeah. So, so just when you were thinking and you were thinking of the politics, like to me, I'm just like, how did you, how did you sort that all out? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, it was, you know, so basically I think what I did was take a break from logos, you know, from language, from, from being a writer. Um, I had already found that, you know, the forces, the market forces were trying to commercialize me, you know, like my, I had an agent at ACM. She wanted me to write, uh, being a pregnant sex writer. And, you know, it just felt like, and also it became the beginning of like the explosion of like memoirs by women, which is great. I'm glad they were writing them. I want them all to write and tell their stories. Sure. And, but it, I was not needed per se. 
And I, what I was needing was to kind of understand the, you know, I, I, I put the mind that had been trained in a masculine way aside to give make, make space to open space for the embodied experience, which could not be put in words. So that's, you know, stitching was like the one thing that I had seen my mom, my mom taught me, my grandma taught me, my aunt taught me, they would like do it in the porch, on the porch, you know, in the afternoons and, and, and work would like stay in the trunks. The men never saw it, it, it was invisible. Like if the women decorated the house, no one paid attention to it except other women, you know, uh, but this was your dowry. So when you marry, that's what you take from home. Is this, is this chachkas, you know, is this- Table cloths, napkins, right. blankets. Yeah, bed covers, you yeah. know, all the doilies. And, and, and that's like, <laughs> as a woman, your heritage. I, but you know, I, I'm worthless in like the marketplace. Yeah, know? yeah. I'm cracking up because I know how to do all those things. You do? But no way. I was taught to sew, embroider, crochet, and knit wow. by my grandmother, Yeah. by our housekeeper, and by my mother. My mother, I still have, I have... In my home, I have embroidered tablecloths and napkins from my mother. Yeah. I mean, so you're just saying all this stuff and you're like, I now make a line of clothing. This is part of it. Wow. I make it with a man wow. from India. Like I, I, wow. <laughs> I design things with a man from India who lives in Australia, but we have everything made in India. So it's like, so you're just, you're like, I don't have a parallel life to you, but I have enough of an overlap that it's yeah. amazing that you were doing that for yeah. art. I was embroidering, when I was a hippie, yes. I was embroidering jeans. I was embroidering flowers on yeah. one leg of the jeans and putting beads in, yeah. little plastic beads into the center of all the flowers. Or I was embroidering people's jackets, their hippie jeans jackets. Yeah. Uh. So it's yeah. just amazing what you're saying. But all the time you're thinking politics and all the time. The whole I'm time I'm like digesting what I'm learning from the practice, you know. And, and that's why, you know, and I, I often speak about this. It takes time, you know. Change, you know, coming up with a quick idea and, you know, hearing to like call it something and put it out there and, you know, trademark it and monetize it. You know, Sure. But the, but the value is something that has taken a lot of time. You know, value is time. It's not money, you know, and it takes a lot of time to understand something that's so fundamental. Um, so what a simple thing that I understood, I mean, I was teaching, I was teaching a lot of, you know, all of my work is women's bodies. And I, you know, I stitched stuff about 9-11. I did a lot of political work during Abu, you know, Grave and all. Um, and I and I stitched on plexi and metal and wood and you know charcoal pieces, and uh, and that practice, you know, the repetition of that, kind of like slowed down the expectations of society of me, um, and that as well as like the the back and forth with you know teaching my daughter who to be in the world, kind of clarified for me um, the the inevitable uh, dichotomy, you know, split that that I had lived in my whole like liberated feminist life, 
which was, uh, for example, in one way, um, you know, I, my mind was male and my body was female. So like I used my body to get off. I kind of like pimped off my body sexually because I didn't think of it as I, you know, I was here <laughs> and then I had this stuff that, you know, I, I get was it. using. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, that's so good. Trying to teach her how to be in the world, you know, I ended up using like two two languages always at the same time. I would be, and I had also two identities. You know, I was like Eve in the school and Eurydice in the studio. You know, and I signed my books as Eurydice. So um, the mothers at the school didn't really know what I do, and my daughter understood. You know, so I I explained to her. We live in a patriarchy, you know, we don't believe in it. So I, I'm gonna teach you two things about everything. I will teach you my truth and I will teach you what the world does so you can fit in and you can speak that and you can perform that. But at the same time, I will tell you what's really happening. And it, it was almost like, you know, this. so the way of having to explain the most basic things to her, you yeah. know, was so useful for me. Because it helped me go get back to like the most basic things of life as she was growing up, you know, and how to uh, give her agency, you know, and choice rather than like uh, right and wrong from the beginning, you know, from the get go. So I think that, you know, it was it was a great lesson in um, in how the feminine or the female, you know, uh, differs what are you know what our strength is and and how to bring together the two which yeah. you know like i knew the split when i was 21 and i wrote about the vagina being cut off i knew that right but how to reconnect in a way that was that that used the only language we have which is the language of the patriarchy um and yet could shift the culture was what I was, you know, trying to do. And and I feel that we I'm in a good place right now. Um and then COVID has been in a sense useful, very, very revelatory because a lot of these things have become so much more obvious, you know, where yeah our activities are restricted so we see things more clearly because we pay more attention. We have to we have <laughs> yeah. to I have questions for you about your daughter. What is she? She's in college now. Yeah, she's studying what is human she, rights. What, human rights. She's studying. Mm, yeah. 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 Okay, that's good. I can see. Uh, she's doing, she went to the only school that has a human rights degree at the Hannah Arendt Center, and she wants to be a human rights lawyer. So see. I can see how that is a direct yeah. outcome right. of yeah. like you putting the split back together and her saying okay how can i make a difference in this crazy world i know yeah so amazing what a wonderful i just didn't i didn't know what to expect when i asked you that so i have so now i'm going to ask you some practical questions like a woman listening to this show you know one of my listeners who is my loyal listener listening to the show Who's feeling? Who's hearing? Maybe for the first time. Wow, you woman could be living in your mind, not embodied. 
what I have a few questions like this. You're living in your mind. You're not embodied. Maybe you're married and you're, you've been doing this thing like Eve would have done if she was stayed in Greece. Yeah. Like she would have been, her mother married her off to some man, which your mother didn't. You didn't give her the chance. No. Um, <laughs> how do you, how, what should she do if this is the first spark of this kind of thinking? Yeah. Like, oh my God, I'm living in my head, doing what the patriarchy has told me, even what my mother's told me, because she's living in the patriarchy. What should I do if I want to have agency or I want to have sovereignty? What's the first thing I should think about or do or check out? What should I read? What should I listen to? What should I take on? Yeah. Do you have any idea Um, about that? Yeah. Well, I I mean, I'm not, uh, you know, I try to not, you know, monetize my work because I want it to be from the heart. Um, I do have the podcast, Speak Sex with Eve, and it's everywhere. It's on Apple, it's on Spotify, it's on, um, you know, it's free. It will always be be free. It doesn't have commercials. It's, you know, 100% from the heart, and it talks about the stuff. And it's an introduction, for sure. I have a YouTube channel, Speak Sex with Eve, Um, I, I am w- working, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much done with these books and that I have been working on, which is the Speak Sex book. Um, and by speaking sex, it's not how to have sex. It's how to speak in a way, in whatever language you use every day, but with a different valuation, you know, with a different emphasis. So this, So you're conscious of what you say and you consciously say them in a different way. You know, instead of going like the the way that we've been taught, um, like and, instead of being a good little girl, right? Instead of just doing what you're taught, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, be, becoming conscious of our bondage, you know, I think is yes. very important. You know, yeah. and becoming conscious of our of our foremothers. You know, yes. this is not. You know, it's a it's a it's a really. Um, the weight of the millions of women we're talking about is is awesome you know it's not just you you know with with your like rights and your vote and your wine and your lunches and your girlfriends and your shopping online it's not just you it is your kids but it's also all those people who came behind you before you you know who were like kept in um, so it, it's just such a, a, an extreme um, kind of like imprisonment of, of the female. And I, I find, I believe that it, it stems from the womb. It stems from motherhood. It stems from the ability of the female to create life. So it's what, you know, what the patriarchy is particularly interested in is this is the product of the womb you know woman had the power to reproduce so yes the man is the inseminator but the woman like puts the work gives it nine months of her life and gives it her body and two years of whatever or nursing and then also her heart you know because the the mother becomes more powerful than the, the self so in that and that's the selflessness that the patriarchy takes advantage of to kind of get us to go along for the sake of our children, for the sake of... Mm. So the first thing to do is become conscious. 
Um, and the second thing to do is you know, become conscious by thinking about it, exposing yourself. And the second thing to do is to let go of fear because the going into the unknown is so much more rewarding, um, you know, and, and you will be taken care of. You will be taken care of. You know, you have to believe that you will be you, taken care of. So you, you don't need to depend on the men. You are such an example, yeah. you know. You are Let speaking my, you're preaching to my choir. You know, you, <laughs> yeah. you're, speaking my, yeah. you're speaking to my heart. Now I have an opposite question for you. I mean, it's okay. going to be crazy topsy-turvy, but I'm doing it because you're so um, you're so articulate about this in a way that um, it's like you've thought out both sides in a way that I haven't experienced anybody else uh, coming coming from both sides. So now my other question, which may seem crazy after the question I just asked you, is... If you're an angry Me Too feminist, you know, if you're listening to this, because I have some listeners like that too. If you, if you, you're so angry and you just, you're so mad at men and you're so mad at the patriarchy and you're listening to this, you're listening to Eve and you, 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 but you're so like unsettled inside like nothing is feeling good to you. You just want to cut off balls, but you don't, it's not coming to anything. Like it's not, it's not leading to anything um, productive unless you, you, you know, unless you're writing a book about it, but something that like you're so you've, you've, you're so unsettled because of the effects of the patriarchy. How can you come back to inner peace? How can yeah. you like, how can you like let go of hatred, let go of torment and anger and come to peace? Because the other half of the planet is people in male bodies who um, many of them are not really trying to do anything wrong. Like they're part of the same dogma. They're imprisoned. Correct. In my, life. In my yeah. opinion, they're imprisoned by the same dogma. Yeah, I agree. That was, I think yeah. so too. Yeah. yeah. So then I what? So then what, what would you recommend to them? I mean, I'm, I feel like you're like one of the most brilliant people that I've met in the last decade. So I'm asking oh, tough you. questions because you're a person who's yeah. thought about it. Yeah. Well, I, I think that, you know, if you're a, if you see, if you see yourself as someone who has been victimized by the patriarchy in the way of me too, you know, the, this is our revenge. Our revenge is not to outman the men. Um, you know, our revenge is to outwoman, you know, to find the woman, to kind of like resist and defy the expectation that we play the rule by their, you know, by, 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 by what the patriarchy has set up for all genders. And instead kind of like rebel in a more fundamental way that, that is a, that, models models a lifestyle and a behavior that doesn't have to follow the dichotomy you know of like bottom top or the hierarchy uh, and I, and I do agree with you that I think it is liberating for men as well to not have to have this burden and this responsibility and this like representation of all that bullshit you know and to be able to to speak, to, to cry, to have emotions, to be weak, you know, to be feminine, to whatever. So 
I think it, it is a way to liberate us both. But for women in particular, um, I feel that we do need to continue to work for social change. So I don't really think that just one-on-one -on -one change in your own life is enough. So I would say to the Me Too feminist, in your own life, find your woman, you know, find your nurturer, find the slowness of the feminine, find, you know, the rest, you know, the pleasure, the luxury that is inherent in the feminine, that is not validated by the patriarchy. Do the stuff that you're not going to get approval for, that you're not going to get, like, respect for, you know? That's resistance. But also, at the same time, work for social change. And when it comes to social change, we have to do it in the ways of the world, you know? So... Like, for example, I, I believe that we have to find a way to uh, monetize motherhood, you know, differently as a culture, separately from like the individual uh, model of marriage. Yes. Um, so, you know, for me, that's like a, a very clear start of point, you know. So I would say that between now and the 23rd century, that's the work to be done, you know, and, and we need to like spread the word and bring everybody in just you know bring everybody in it, to me you know makes sense because we all suffer you know none of us have a, an existence outside of the setup <laughs> you exactly. know it's been like six thousand years beautiful Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank I you. I, Thank you. Yeah, I loved it. I just, as you were speaking, I just went, I'm going to ask her these tough questions. I hardly ever ask these questions of anybody because most people haven't given it much thought. People ask me the questions, but I, you know, I don't know too many people who have given it thought. Um, I just know some very angry, 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 angry people. And I was very angry growing up, but um I'm not angry now. I love people. I don't care what they are. And uh I don't want to take I don't want to like cut them all at the knees. I want to I want to see people flourish and live, yeah. you know, live yeah. the life they were meant to live. Yes. So now people can get in touch with you if they go to speak sex with Eve. They can No, okay. So the websites yeah. are speaksexpodcast.com. Okay. Or Eurydice, E U R Y D I C E dot net, or eveuridice.com. Um, and I, and you know, I'm on whatever Instagram, Facebook, but um, I hope that, you know, this book will come out soon. And then that will be a way to, you know, send it out, send it, send it out. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm working on something that I call the universal mother income. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. And what is the, is that going to be a book or what is that what is that like? Yeah, what, it's, well, it's it's a book, but it's a whole kind of you know conceptual like systemic uh, yeah. change for the culture. You know that I think is a necessary like, first step. Because if unless we find a way to free, you know, to free motherhood, right, from from this control, um, we can't move forward for any of us. Yeah, just beautiful. Thank you. Thank you Thank so you. much for being my guest today. It's it yeah. looks like it's a very uh, 
what I hope for my listeners is that it's thought provoking, that they may be looking at something that that's so, you know, it's so common. And yet, did they look at it like this? Could they right. see it this way? Would they, would they consider themselves a victim of this? Would they consider themselves as being trapped by this? And those are the things I want them to think about. From hearing you, if you feel trapped, if you have felt trapped, if you never thought about it before, give it some thought. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and, and play the podcast because the podcast or the YouTube, if people like to watch or whatever, you know, yeah. there is a lot of this kind. This is our conversation. So, you know, the more you hear about it and the more that the, you know, this, this point of view becomes familiar to you, the, the more you, are, you know, understand it in your life you you become aware of the instances or the, the moments in your life where unconsciously because you have been conditioned this way you act in ways that don't that don't match your belief system but you don't really know it you know listen a very a very uh a very outspoken and wild friend of mine yesterday posted on facebook that um She was accepting rough sex when she didn't want rough sex. Like she likes rough sex, but she was tolerating painful sex and not speaking up. Even her, she was not speaking up. And she realized that she needed to have a conversation with her partner and say, you know, sometimes it just doesn't feel good. And what a revelation it was that she was speaking up about this. And I thought... Oh my God, this is every woman I know. This isn't just this wild woman. This is everyone. We settle for things that maybe a thought goes like this, but then it's so ingrained. The culture is so ingrained in us that we just keep the mouth shut and we endure. And I love what you're saying because you're, Because while you were stitching, <laughs> you, yeah, really, that's it. Yeah. While you were stitching, you were thinking about this, and you it, you were coming into a power that's yeah. um, that's it's actually in your DNA. Yeah. You know, the the power of being female, and yeah. the things that the things that have been uh, transferred. Yeah. So anyway, I thank you. I I loved yeah. it. This is very. This was very mind expanding. You were like LSD today. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Really, really awesome. All right. So I, this is Laurie Handlers. I want, again, I want to say that you want to hear more from Eve or Eurydice. However, you want to find her both ways. You want to hear more from her. You want to maybe see her art. You want to pick up a book. You, if this opened up a mind expansion for you, a body expansion for you, then you should, you should find her. Thank you so much for being my guest. Thank you, today. Lori. Thank you. Yeah, so much fun. So this is Lori Handler saying uh, thank you for being my listeners. Thank you for always being here with me and for uh, sending me feedback about the shows. I love hearing from you. I would love hearing from you again. Remember to write to me. Let me know how the show's going for you. Tune in next time. We'll have another amazing guest. Uh, Different and amazing. 
I'm signing off from Sex and Happiness. Namaste, everybody. Thank you for joining us today for Sex and Happiness. To learn more about Lori and her work, please go to ButterflyWorkshops.com or follow her on Twitter or Facebook. You can send her an email at sexandhappiness at gmail.com. We'll see you again right here next week for another edition of Sex and Happiness. Oh.